Hi, I'm Bob Ramsey, Toronto writer and commentator. Twice a week, I offer my take on the world, from craven politics and unchecked ambition to secret sauces, bitter loss, and fist-pumping redemption. The stories to live by. Quirky, high-style, tear-jerking, funny ha-ha, sometimes funny peculiar. My tales don't walk down the sidewalk and browse in the windows. They sneak into alleyways and come out onto different worlds. Alex Brown narrates each mini-podcast to bring to your ears what you see with your eyes in my twice-a-week blogs. And now, today's episode of Ramsey Writes. Memory Loss and Memory Laws Written by Bob Ramsey Denial is a terrible thing. Indeed, the primary symptom of the disease of alcoholism and addiction is the person afflicted with it saying they don't have the disease. This is not generally true when you're told you have cancer or diabetes or pretty much any other malady. Nations, of course, can suffer denial as well, and the discovery of what could grow to be thousands of bodies of Indigenous children at residential schools across the country has brought us face-to-face with our own national denial. How could millions of us all know, at some vaguely repressed level, that these schools dragged 150,000 children away from their parents, their homes, their culture, and their language, and yet not bother to ask, what happened to them? How could the Catholic and other churches know exactly which children died and were buried on residential school grounds, yet not only keep that secret for 150 years, but fight to keep those records a secret today? How could our provincial and federal governments know all this and do nothing? As I said, denial is a complex, terrible thing. In 1970, Alexander Solzhenitsyn won the Nobel Prize for the Gulag Archipelago. The title is a metaphor for the camps which were scattered through the sea of civil society, like a chain of islands that extended from the Bering Strait almost to the Bosporus. It's only a small exaggeration to say Canada's residential schools formed a similar chain, extending from BC to Nova Scotia and up to Pond Inlet. It's fashionable to divide today's outrages, from Me Too assaults to police maltreatment of blacks and other minorities, to insurrections of the U.S. Capitol, into two parts, the crime and the cover-up. With each discovery of more bodies and bones, our denial fights to push down the awful truth. But it's clear we are now beginning the cover-up stage of Canada's darkest deed, where denial and reality fight to the death. One relatively new arrow in denial's quiver is the rise of memory laws, which are enacted by governments to guide their citizens in how to discuss the past. In 2014, when Russia invaded Ukraine, Vladimir Putin signed into law a bill, along with criminal punishments, for offering false information on the activities of the Soviet Union during the Second World War. As Timothy Snyder wrote in his eye-opening New York Times magazine article last week, A Russian citizen who mentioned in a social media post that Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union both invaded Poland was prosecuted. Snyder's point is that historical facts are now deemed secondary to national feeling. But Russia is not Canada. Fine. Let's look across the 49th parallel to our nearest neighbor. This spring, memory laws began sprouting up across America. As Snyder points out, 
five states, Idaho, Iowa, Tennessee, Texas, and Oklahoma, have passed laws that direct and restrict discussions of history in classrooms. Another 12 state legislatures are still considering memory laws. We now enter a world not so much of Solzhenitsyn, but of Kafka, since these bills begin by affirming freedom of speech and then banning what they deem to be divisive speech. As Snyder concludes, the most common feature among the laws is their attention to feelings. Four or five of them, in almost identical language, prescribe any curricular activities that would give rise to discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress on account of the individual's race or sex. History is not therapy, Snyder ends. Discomfort is part of growing up. My view is feeling uncomfortable with our real past is a pretty puny reason to live in denial of it. I doubt very much that Ottawa and the provinces will enact measures forcing Canadians to deny the shameful treatment of our founding people. But our universities, struck by a plague of metastasizing correctness, where awkward feelings are not only cancelled but forbidden, may be where the denial begins. It's odd to think this, I know, given that universities are where opposing ideas are meant to endure repeated trials by fire and the students are generally disgusted with the denial of their elders on everything from destroying our founding people to making our planet uninhabitable. But forced forgetting doesn't have to be enforced by legislation or political thugs in order to happen. It just needs us to do the easiest thing of all, to forget, to get busy and preoccupied, and to move on. Maybe as a reminder, we can all play this lovely rendition of O Canada, at the end of each week so we remember our dark past and its terrible cost. And the next time I end up in a 12-step meeting, I can say, I'm Bob, and I'm a residential school denier. Today's Ramsey Writes was read by Alex Brown. For more information on Bob Ramsey, his work, and all the other things he does besides writing, go to ramseyinc.com. That's R-A-M-S-A-Y-I-N-C dot com.